We ride together, we die together, bad boys for life. I'm John Chidley Hill. <laughs> and I am Sheldon Alexander. And I gotta say, I don't know if I've ever received so many comments about anything as we received about Martin Lawrence movies. <laughs> I was just gonna say, this is You Killed It, the podcast, talking all things Martin Lawrence. Apparently. <laughs> Who doesn't love Martin Lawrence? <laughs> right. Uh, apparently, my girlfriend, who told me the funny story, because I said, were we talking about Blue Streak? No, follow the story for a second, right? Blue okay. Because I mentioned somehow it came up, and I was like, oh, John and I were just talking about Blue Streak on the pod. And she's like, I hate that movie. I'm like, what? Who hates Blue Streak? And she's like, well, when I was younger, <laughs> I forget what her and her friend had. Uh, they had a, a movie that they taped on a VHS. They had something taped on a VHS. How am I forgetting this now? Forget what it was. Not a really important. But her brother taped over it with Blue Streak. <laughs> and so her and her friend go to watch whatever they thought they were going to watch. And all of a sudden it pops up and it's Blue Streak. And they're like, wait, what? You taped over her tape with Blue Streak? <laughs> of all the random things to have it be taped over. And there's a generation of kids listening to this being like, What's a VHS tape? I I mean, I'm going to pause you right there. I think your girlfriend's issue isn't with Blue Streak. It's with her brother. <laughs> let's, not, let's not say things you can't take back. I rewatched Blue Streak because it turns out it's on Netflix uh, in Canada. So I rewatched it this weekend. Just Hold cause? Up, baby. Just because well, we've been talking about it. So. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, there were a lot of messages, though. Do you have some? Uh, I mean, longtime listener, friend of the show, sometimes occasional co-host, mm -hmm. uh, Lawrence Thomas, said that was it. He was defending. He was bringing up another movie, and now I'm blanking on it. Uh, hold on, I'm scrolling. Well, first, he sent us that. I guess it looks like they're taping Bad Boys Four. Yep. Which I don't know if that's a good idea. Bad Boys 3 was a stretch as is. Bad Boys um, 2, I was like, all right, I'm here for this. I, respectfully, they're not looking so young in that video <laughs> that they shot. Fair. Fair. They, yeah, they, they're looking, they, they're looking more like traffic cops rather than like borderline, Whoa. like SWAT team detectives. Lawrence said, also, Nothing to Lose is a highly underrated, non-Bad Boys Martin Lawrence movie. <laughs> okay. I don't even remember Nothing to Lose, so I can't even, I can't even fully comment on that because I, I genuinely don't remember. Isn't that the that one at all. with Tim Robbins? It I, is. I got nothing. Look at you, okay. eh? Okay. Let's, let's talk about this movie because it is important. It is. <laughs> It has low key. I mean, Martin Lawrence movies always had great soundtracks. Okay. And it's got um, music by Eric Sermon, like the song music by okay. Eric Sermon on the soundtrack. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That That's a big track. Is so good. And if you go back and rewatch the music video, they like splice in like scenes from the movie. Remember how they used to do that with music videos? Like, like. Yeah. And so you've got like Tim Robbins appearing in Eric Sermon's music video. It's great. That is actually really funny. That's amazing. 
That song is my introduction to EPMD, by the way. Ah, so did that lead you to go back and, and uh, yeah, explore yeah. a little here? Yeah. That's cool, e- man. EPMD is classic. I love EPMD. All of them, mm. all their business-related albums are good. <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. And also just dropping some knowledge, you know? Dropping Thank some you. knowledge. Thank you. Yeah. I know I know a couple things. Uh, what other listener comments did, did we have queued up here, though, about Martin Lawrence? Because that's how off the rails this podcast is immediately. Already, just to start, huh? I think... Uh, I don't have anything right off the top. And as I go to my phone, my phone is about to die. So that is not helping me check comments on Instagram. I've got, I've got three more. Okay. Um, Okay. Eric says, in my opinion, life is the best, uh, Martin Lawrence movie. And he has a gif, of uh, Martin Lawrence. And I can't tell who it is, uh, saying (laughs) you were scared, huh? Don't be scared. (laughs) <laughs> and then Hollywood says, have you ever seen What's the Worst That Could Happen? Which is Martin Lawrence and Danny DeVito. <laughs> and then when I tweeted at you, because my entire life revolves around trying to bug you just a little bit. Okay. Uh, that I was going to watch <laughs> Blue Streak because I found it on Netflix. Uh, Matthew Bingley mm-hmm. simply sent uh, a gif of Martin Lawrence Dancing, you know, when he first yeah. tries to get into the police station as the pizza delivery guy with bad teeth, classic. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> and like afterwards, he like comes outside and he's like dancing because he's like happy because he figured out how he's gonna be able to get the diamond back. Spoilers. Um, that's what Matthew said. No comment, just the gif. Sometimes it's all that's all you need, sometimes that's just enough, you know. Sometimes it's just enough. Uh, Speaking of just enough, though, right? I know we didn't say this off the front end because we turned this into a Martin Lawrence pod. Mm -hmm. But this being episode 243 Mm -hmm. of You Killed It, episode 17 of this season of The Challenge, Rider Dies, I will say that there was more than enough in this episode. I will also say that this would have been a banger episode if it was an hour long. Oh, hot take. So I, I I did notice. So a weird thing about doing what we do, and I know you're going to appreciate what I say. I, because of like our note taking, I am oddly aware of how many commercial breaks there are. And there is definitely more commercials in this episode of the challenge than there normally is normally it's commercial free for the first 30 minutes and they got to a commercial within like 10. (laughs) interesting see i didn't notice that but that's a good call by you that's a good that's a good call back by you i was just more so so i'm watching it on pvr and i'm gonna be very honest there were points where i'm like i'm gonna fast forward through this because nothing was happening like literally nothing was happening and Listen, all the backstories at this point, we've heard all the backstories. We know, you know, this person's sister really wants them to win or this person has a family at home and they need to win for their fam. All of those things that we know. I'm not trying to be the Scrooge of it all, but at the end of the day, while we were getting close to the end, I'm like, okay, come on, let's get on with this. And as soon as I was about to hit that PBR, all of a sudden blood started flowing. 
So, uh, yeah, we'll get there. But, I mean, the beginning of this episode, it's not like there's much really happening here. You have the old folks celebrating, you know, happy for Nani and Bananas and Anissa. Bananas taking up his role as a Toastmaster, celebrating the final eight. I did like... uh... I found that everyone was a lot funnier this episode than they have been in other recent episodes. And I feel like we saw a lot more just like candid moments. And also all eight of these people like each other. Mm-hmm. Like the biggest tension, obviously I guess would be Jordan and Tori, but like, there's still a lot of fondness there. And, you know, I guess Devin and bananas don't always get along, but like, they're pretty cool these days. So like you can like tell that they're all enjoying each other's company. And uh, I liked when Nani said one of us, well, a pair of us is going to win a million dollars. And then Johnny goes, unless they let you take from your partner. And Nani did not (laughs) like that talk at all. But I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah. I thought it was pretty good too. I thought that was hilarious. I think that, you know, Bananas playing his role of the Toastmaster is just so, you know, normal. We've seen it over and over again. I got to say, it wasn't like an especially good toast by someone. For someone who always has like these big, long, over-the-tops, occasionally rhyming toasts, it was adequate. Do you think it's because he might not have expected to be there? Yeah, Mm -hmm. I don't think he was ready. I did feel like a lot of that scene, they were sort of like, it felt like they were put up to it by production to have these conversations. Like when Nani said that it felt very stilted to me. Yeah. Um, TJ shows up. Of course, TJ always shows up and he lets everyone know that it will be a 100 hour final or four days long to which Anissa kind of under the radar says, Oh, we're going to be stinky. Yeah. (laughs) Which I thought was, you know, a a very valid point. Um, Hour one essentially starts once they get into the four by four trucks in the back, Devin gets in. Tori gets in the driver's side seat and immediately realizes, oh, this is stick. Do you drive stick? <laughs> and I thought that was very interesting because what would have happened if each partner couldn't drive stick? I can't drive stick. I can drive automatic. I can't drive stick. But I can't I, drive stick. But when that happened, I was like, wait, what would have happened if one of the partners were unable to drive stick? That's hilarious. I also, so off the hop, when they said, oh, it's 100 hours, I'm like, shit, that's like more than four days. Like, that's a lot. And then they, they, when I realized that when he, when TJ said, you know, the clock starts when you start driving the four by four, I'm like, oh, that's not so bad. (laughs) Like, if you, and they drove for like three hours. And like, (laughs) I mean, I've recently really come to grips with the fact that distance is different for Canadians. Where, like, a two-hour, three-hour drive isn't that big a deal to us. So, like, maybe it's tiring for them. But, like, (laughs) I actually, this is a weird thing to admit, but I looked it up just for context with, like, the concept of distances. Okay. You and I, we live in the same city. Correct. Further, technically, we both live in the east side of our city, right? Like, I'm just on the east side, but we're both on the east side. It's a 25-minute drive between our homes. <laughs> like, Oh, yeah. Canadians' concept of distance is much different. Like, it's... Traffic, first off. We live in Toronto, so traffic is a mofo. But even, even if it wasn't, like, the 
congestion, traffic congestion capital of the world, like it's not a big deal for a Canadian to be like, oh yeah, I'll drive three hours to visit someone. Like, yeah, no problem. <laughs> like we do that regularly. <laughs> I know people who do that, who commute two hours one way each day. I wouldn't want to do it, but people do do it. Like it's not uncommon. So yeah, yeah. I could never, but I, I do hear you. Totally right, my dude. Totally right. Um, they finally get to the end of the car ride. They get their bags out. They got to get a trunk out of their trunk and walk to meet TJ. And at this point, it's hour four. They get mm. their camping supplies, but there's a catch. The trunks have a lock on it and have a code. But to get your code, you and your partner have to ride on bikes for 100 miles. Uh, I thought this was a pretty cool way to start this off until Devin says, okay, well, why do you really need to go fast at this when really the only benefit is you get more time to set up your tent? Mm -hmm. Do you agree with Devin or no? I mean, come on, Sheldon. <laughs> Don't embarrass me like that. Of course I agree with Devin because he was right. There is no uh, like huge benefit to – going as fast as you can and like realistically if you're going hard on a bike on a stationary bike the max you can do is 30 kilometers an hour realistically mm -hmm. so like you're gonna be in the saddle for 90 minutes right with each partner doing approximately 50 kilometers mm -hmm. so like this guy in a quick math just bing bang boom eh um <laughs> But like he's right, like it's not a huge difference between being on the stationary bike for 90 minutes versus two hours, mm -hmm. especially if you're comfortable setting up a tent, which he is. Yeah. And it does have an impact in terms of dehydration and fatigue and like lactic acid. Like, mm -hmm. so, and like it was so interesting seeing Olivia and Horacio who with the exuberance of youth were like, we're going to go as hard and fast as possible. And then like cut to like five minutes later when they're all around the campfire and their tents are equally made. <laughs> like, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, for sure. But Hey, Horacio, they had to do that. Right. Cause we needed to get that full on like soft core porn scene. Of yeah. Horacio and his shirt off all sweaty. And I was like, okay, I, I get what they're doing here, but then it kept going and going and going. And it's like, all right, we get it. We get it. You know, and I'm not hating on my man. Hey, do your thing. Do your thing. He is a, a good looking dude, you know? But it was just hilarious because that shot kept going and going. And normally I call out this show and say how good of a thing it is that they are equal opportunists when it comes to um, uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, objectifying. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, beautiful bodies, we'll say. But in this yeah. instance, there was no counter to Horacio. <laughs> There's no equal opportunities set out here. But you know what? <laughs> It's all right. I, I guess over the history of time throughout television and I guess North American society, maybe even world society. Hey, I guess as straight males, we are owed this one for all of the other sides. That's fair. Yeah, right. I we mean, do the total tally here. I, I will say, I think my line of the episode, 
I'm go- you know what it is my line of the episode it is banana saying if you're gonna do a shot of Horacio, then me let me know first so i can suck it in <laughs> i will say bananas like i feel like he was on one in this episode where he knows like it's his time to shine like he knows he's gonna get like there's not that many people around right mm-hmm. so he's dishing out all the one-liners because he knows they're all gonna make it in right they don't have that many people to choose from anymore so he's just hitting right everything he says is going to be on and he he had some good one-liners i'm not i'm not mad at him i'm not mad at him at all i was mad at him though for messing with nani because that was just weird and she was actually getting frustrated which i get because you're not happy riding this bike and this guy's like trying to hit you like snap his wet sweaty shirt at you yeah i wouldn't like what are you doing um our foreign correspondent, Adi Pinsov, okay, has, has some uh, notes on what the music was. I like. So it. when they first walked into the house, it was "I Love It" by Icona Icona Pop. Is that how you say it? I've never actually had to say that name out loud. Uh, which is a banger. I love that song. Um, and then when they're driving at the start, it's "I Will Buy You a New Life" by Everclear. Great song. And then when they're on the bikes and Banani is arguing, it's Hard to Handle by Black Crows. Okay. Okay. Solid work, as always, from our foreign correspondent. Appreciate it. Always appreciate all the comments. Remember, wherever you're listening to the pod, you know, send in your comments. We appreciate them so much. Such a great addition to the show. Very much so. Mm -hmm. Um, So as we said, it's... Like, it doesn't really matter who finishes the biking first. Uh, They're already on uh, 19 hours by the time they wake up. Yeah. Right? So, like, again, the 100 hours, it is, like, grueling, but it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Um, The next morning, what they have to do is they have to run between a series of stations. And the first station... I should say, on the way to the first station, and this is significant, Jordan suggests a shortcut sort of through a wooded area. And he starts to veer in, and Anissa follows him. And then she's like, no, this is done. We got to stay on the trail. And, like, I think they cut it, but I have the idea that someone on production is like, no, you got to be on the trail. And as they're heading back to the trail, Anissa rolls her ankle seemingly pretty badly. And it's an ankle that she has broken in the past. So, and it's the first time she's rolled it since breaking it. Mm -hmm. So she's pretty concerned. And I got to say, as someone who's broken his uh, leg many times, the first time you roll your ankle after you've uh, healed up a broken leg, it is scary. Like it does hit different. Like it does like crack and pop in a very unsettling way because things are like going back into position. So, like, I had a lot of sympathy for Anissa in this moment. And, like, I understand why Jordan wanted to cut a corner if he could, but Mm. it cost them. Yeah, so my question here is, who do you – who's the blame on here, right? Because, you know, Jordan is trying to realize – like, Jordan realizes that, hey, at the end of the day – Anissa, he knows that the challenge is going to be trying to keep up with the rest of the group with the endurance parts of this. So he's trying to cut a corner. He's trying to take an advantage where he thinks he can. But at the same time, 
it ends up costing them because Anissa rolls her ankle. Are you mad at Jordan for trying to take this loophole? But also, was that legal? Well, I think that's what I'm saying. Like, I think production was like, no, 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 you can't do that. Like, that's why I think they headed back. Okay, okay. Um, And I also think, and we've talked about this in the past, and, like, we've praised Jordan and Johnny for this. Mm -hmm. Cutting corners is how you get ahead in this show. True. If you can find a way to cut a corner, it's a tremendous advantage. Yeah. So, and, like, I'm not saying this to put down Anissa. She could have rolled her ankle anywhere. Exactly. Like these accidents happen, right? Like we, we saw it happen to Casey where she mm-hmm. broke her ankle because they had to like run on rocks. Like it's a, it, this ain't the ballet. Like this is a dangerous show as we're about to see. Um, oh geez. Yeah. So the first station, they have to throw bolas at these, I guess you would call them bars. Yeah. And you have to get 10 bolas on the bars. And every time you get two bolas, you can sabotage your opponents by giving them a mug of disgusting smoothie, which it sounds like it was fish, 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 fish? guts or something. I don't know. Yeah. And then, like, uh, we heard mayonnaise and ranch dressing as potential mixtures. It was unpleasant, right? Mm-hmm. And. Your girl, Olivia, early on, she's throwing it, and there's like a carabiner attaching the ball of the bola to the cable, I guess. Mm -hmm. And her finger catches on it and, like, rips off a piece of it. Yeah. Um, It was pretty gross. You know, you could tell it was bad, and she was bleeding a lot, and they had to get the medic in to, like, wrap it. And she kept talking about, she brought it up again because she was talking about when they were putting up the tent about how, you know, her dad raised her in the outdoors. You know, she's from Alaska, so she, putting up a tent is no big deal for her. Um, but she, in this instance, she was talking about how she's not quitting. Her dad didn't raise her to be a quitter. And I found it funny that she was still barking out orders at Horacio <laughs> while yeah. she was getting attention attended to by the medics. And I mean... Yeah, it looked like a bad cut. There was a lot of blood. I'm sure it was super annoying and just bad timing because you're not able to help. And Devin and Tori were getting out to a huge lead, and there's nothing really that she could do to help. Even after Horacio finally finishes all the bolas, he starts uh, starts to drink. She's kind of helping, but not really. The drinks kind of made it funny. Yeah. Right? Because. That's like the normal equalizer. And I, I got to say this. I still cannot be the one to watch the barf montages. <laughs> I was going to ask, how do you like the vomiting montage? That's in my notes. <laughs> I, I can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. I um, I got to admit, I didn't. it wasn't even a conscious decision, but I found myself looking away from the TV. Yeah. Oh, it's so gross. I want to know, do people watch those? Do people like that? Let us know. Write in. Let us know. Let us know in the comments. Do you enjoy watching? Like, are you laughing at the barf montage? Like, oh, that's amazing. The super slow-mo. Like, oh, geez. I, um, I also, like, I know I know I'm know, i the number one Devin fan, but, like, he took a bullet here because it turns out Tori's vegan, mm-hmm. so he drank all of their smoothies. That's a good teammate right there. That's a ride or die. That's a ride or die right there. (laughs) I would not. I I also have a question about 
the technicality of vomiting, and I, I'm sorry if this is gross, but no, like, please. like, how can I put this? Doesn't there come a point where you can just like take a a mouthful of that fish gut smoothie and then spit it out and like make a retching sound? I think so. I definitely like, think so. With stuff like that, like people can't tell if it's coming or going, you know? So like who's gonna check? And like I would rather do that than go through the process of swallowing it and then vomiting it up like 30 seconds later. Right? Like once you vomited once, aren't you just like faking drinking the rest of that smoothie? Pretty much. Yeah, yeah like, I it's totally still agree. Super gross and unpleasant, don't get me wrong, and time consuming, but like better than the alternative, right? Mm-hmm. No, totally. I think you're totally right. And hey, if you're Devin and you got to do the most of it, I or all of it, sorry, I bet you he was using that theory for sure. Definitely. And uh, despite all of that, Devin and Tori finish first. They're off and running, followed by Horacio and Olivia. They start drink. Oh, sorry. This is t- in terms of the drinking. Mm-hmm. The other part that we should mention is that Devin and Tori start giving more of the drinks to bananas and Nani and they're kind of trading off before they make a truce to then put more drinks onto Olivia and Horacio. Jordan and Anissa are the benefactors of all this because no one's even paying attention to them. And as it turns out, they get off to a very quick start because they don't have as much to drink, which I thought was hilarious. Um, I, sh- I should tell you that the music that played during the scene was My Body by Young the Giant. I got nothing there. You would know it to hear it. You've been okay. in stadiums and arenas. You, you'd know it to hear it. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. So we're often run into the second part of the challenge where you got to get 16 tires. They have a name on it in terms of the order that the challengers have been eliminated. You have to each take a tire, each run it to the other side, put it in order, and then come back, get the next two tires until you are done. As mentioned, Devin and Tori were out first. Jordan and Nisa were out second, followed by Nani and Bananas and Horacio and Olivia holding up the rear. Basically, Tori and Devin, though, are out to a big, big lead on everyone else. And I got to give Bananas and Nani credit. They were working well together. Things were going good for them. Anissa and Jordan, not so much. Jordan isn't really happy with Anissa at all. But this is pretty predictable. And I feel like if you're Jordan, getting mad at her isn't helping. No. And you got to just kind of eat it. Because at this point, you know, you kind of say your piece. And then you just got to roll with it. No? Absolutely. And you have to remember that, first of all, I don't think they're actually ride or dies in real life, but like, also true. She, she is your partner. She is your friend. And Anissa does bring other things to the table. She is good at puzzles. She is good at other stuff. Mm-hmm. So you just got to count on like slow and steady positivity, you know, one foot in front of the other. And like, also appreciate she is hurt. Like, she probably did really sprain her ankle. Like, yeah. To the point that Nani has noticed. And -hmm. also, you know, Bananas makes a veteran call. So they arrive at this station where they have to carry these tires that have all the past teams that have been eliminated from the show. They have to carry them a kilometer 
and then put them in order of elimination from first eliminated to last eliminated on this giant pole. And, um, but notably at the first half of this station, it doesn't tell them what order they're gonna put it in. And Johnny, to his credit, says, no, it's gonna be last to first or first to last. So like, let's take the first people that were eliminated, just like, let's be organized about this. Whereas mm-hmm. Jordan says to Anissa, let's just grab whatever and go. So like, on the one hand, yes, Anissa is slowing them down. But like, it's not like you could see that Jordan has relied for too long on being the fastest. And he's not changing his thinking, which he should. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, it's a little frustrating to see someone who is so good at emphasizing their strengths and overcoming their weaknesses that he can't apply that same logic to Anissa's situation. Yeah, no, that's so true. It's so true. Uh, my question for you with all of this that was going on and the rehashing of everyone who's been on the show, how many people did you forget about when you heard their names? You were like, Oh yeah. I mean, they said, uh, Kayla and Sam. I'm like, who's Sam? (laughs) <laughs> and then I was like, oh, yeah, Kayla's husband. Forgot about Totally that. forgot Kayla was on this season. Totally. And, and uh, Laurel and Jack, like, they were eliminated mm. by Anissa and Jordan. And, like, that was a great elimination. I don't remember it, like, them in particular. Yeah. Uh, Kim and I Colleen, I forgot about. Sorry, go ahead. Kim and Colleen, I forgot about. Yeah. I forgot about, um, I can't remember Turbo's partner's name. I know that she wasn't the problem. Yeah, um, I don't remember Turbo's partner at all. Yeah, like Jay and Michelle got mentioned. I'm like, oh yeah, they are they were like big parts of the show. Like they, had, they were like significant characters. They Sp- thought they were running the house. Speaking of significant characters, Diane Feely, longtime listener. Mm-hmm tweeted at us last night that Fessel has posted a GoFundMe where he's saying that if he makes a million dollars in this GoFundMe, he will retire from the uh, the challenge forever because he's just in it for the money. So he's saying, like, if I get that money, you'll never have to see me on the challenge again. Um, hilariously. What? Yeah. Hilariously, so this is this posting is 12 hours old. Mm-hmm. He's at $15 of his $1 million goal. I don't know if that means that people want him to stay on the show or if people don't think he's worth the money. I mean, just a weird flex by Fessy. I saw earlier in the week there was a whole thing about him saying that he's top 10 in challenge history. And people just, I don't know if it was a joke or not, or what was actually happening. I could probably look it up, but people were just going at him being like, how can you be top 10 and never win? Like that makes no yeah. sense. But I saw, him, I saw him say that as well. And I immediately thought like to myself that it's so easy to name 10. I think he said top 10 male challengers. And oh, even okay. then I was like, it's so easy to name 10 challengers who are better. Like it's like, it's not even like off the hop. Two of them are on this season of the challenge, right? Yeah. But like you can't be top of 
all time if you've never been top of any season that you've been on mm-hmm. <laughs> right like by default that makes no sense mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know. um but it's funny because <laughs> Devin has been ripping on him about it on Twitter all week yeah so he tweeted Devin tweeted referencing it but didn't like quote tweet it i'm top 25 male challengers all time regardless of how this final plays out and if you don't see that you're just a hater like <laughs> word for yeah, word amazing made it bigger and then he said imagine being a d1 athlete or an olympian and constantly getting beaten by a guy with a bowl cut a 40 year old or a chubby drunk <laughs> well played well played (laughs) solid trolling there solid trolling yeah fessy i to be honest i forgot about fessy already and he hasn't that long i know that's a trauma response sheldon if you're forgetting someone that quickly well i was upset at myself if we're being honest i was most upset that i forgot about annalise (laughs) when they brought up tommy and annalise i was like Whoa, Annalise. How did I forget about Annalise? Can't do that. That's not fair. My apologies, Annalise. I'm sorry. So uh, Devin and Tori actually finished station two first. That's with the tires. Mm -hmm. And then the station that turns this whole final around, at least to the point that we see, is station three. Where when you get there, you have to fire a slingshot and hit your target twice. And like you're firing golf balls. As we know, for reasons that I don't really understand, Devin is a slingshot savant. Like they never explained why he's so good at slingshots, but like he is like undeniably very good at slingshots. I can't explain it. They have to hit the target twice, like one each. They get it on the first try. Like, immediately, like, Devin just, like, walks up, does it, and then, like, coaches Tori through it. And because he had made an alliance uh, with Call the Truce with Johnny and Nani, and they're obviously not going to punish their friends, frenemies, their complicated alliance members, Jordan and Anissa, they decide to punish Horacio and Olivia by giving them... uh, two extra uh, golf balls that they have to shoot. They have to hit the target four times. And like this moment is what like hinges this first full day of the final, because first of all, they got through it in what, two minutes, maybe. Yeah, It seemed very, very quick. And that was a part that was interesting to me, how quickly they're able to be in and out of there. And then when you, in contrast, look at Johnny and Nani, Look like it took them a while. It looks like it took Johnny and Nana, Nani, I don't know, 15 minutes, maybe 20. Like, it, it's hard. They had to do it a whole bunch of times, and they're getting really mad at each other and, like, yelling at each other and losing their cool. And every minute that, like, Banani are, are falling behind, or should, I should say every minute that Banani are not hitting their targets, and they only have the two, Devin and Tori are like putting space between them and Devin and Tori are walking for part of it. But even still, they are putting distance between them, which is huge. And then do you, do you think it was a good idea to make that truce with bananas and Nani? 
probably. Like, can I, you trust bananas in a final is more so where I'm going with this. I think, I mean, so as they're walking, Devin and Tori are talking about this because Tori's like, I don't know that we should have made that deal. I think that one of the advantages of being in the lead is that it's much easier to screw over the people behind you because bananas and Nani don't really have an opportunity to do anything to Devin and Tori at this point. So mm -hmm. I think that like at the either the start of the first day or like at a critical moment, they have to break that truce. And I think Devin knows that. Okay. But, um, the other critical thing is Olivia and Horacio have to shoot four golf balls instead of two. Horacio very quickly gets his two, just like bangs it out. Olivia's up. And I don't even understand what happened. But so, her slingshot backfired. I think that she... You, okay, so you can see, and they kept showing this shot multiple times. As she's pulling it back, you could see the golf ball kind of falling out of the pocket that it's in, right? So what I think happened is as she shoots it, it go it doesn't go straight at all and hits the actual slingshot pole like apparatus and then ricochets back and hits her in the face. Oh, that's what it did. I thought it got caught in the the basket of the slingshot and, and came so, and came back at her. That could also that could also be it. But I mean, I my assumption was and hey, maybe we should rewatch it or someone who watched it watching along with us will be like you idiots this is what happened but i thought that i mean i thought that she slung it but it was that far off that it just ricocheted off of the apparatus that's holding up the slingshot and came back because i mean either one right the slingshot coming back with that much force because the other part is wouldn't that have happened to other people like how did that only happen to her if it's stuck in there and came all the way back. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I well, they kept, when they were showing her lining up the shot, the golf ball was sitting really low in the basket. It was like, I thought it was going to fall out. It was so low. Like it wasn't like really in the pocket. Yeah. So I think that like the force of like her release, I think it forced the golf ball in and like got caught in the basket. I don't know. Yeah. But like, I'm no doctor. But, like, I think that the technical term for what happened to her is she got fucked up. Like, it was bad. She was gushing blood. And she instantly knows that she broke her nose. I've had an up and down feeling with Olivia on this show. A lot of it still goes back to watching that season of Love Island, which is whatever. But just in terms of... Her trying to be reality star more so than the challenge star, which I know that might sound like semantics to some, but in my mind, it makes sense. I felt so bad for her here. Like, that sucks. Like, yeah. not only is that crappy because you've gotten hurt twice on the first day of your first final as a rookie when you have probably the strongest competitor left as your teammate. But also just like two horrible bad breaks, and that's super embarrassing, right? Like the two self-inflicted wounds by accident, but like injuries, like legit injuries. And yeah. 
I genuinely felt so bad for her. Like, I couldn't believe that happened. I was, even though we saw in the previews, you know, someone profusely bleeding, I thought that was from the finger. So when that happened to her face, I was like, oh, damn, like, again? So caught off guard by that. Felt so bad for her. Such terrible bad luck. Shouts to Horacio because I thought he was being such a good partner and good friend and just being so supportive and trying to calm her down and get her to, you know, relax. And and because obviously you'd be freaking out. All that blood like that. I've had that happen to me before when I used to play baseball. I remember stealing second base. And when I slid, the catcher threw the ball. The ball bounced in the dirt and came up and hit me directly in the nose. Right. And there's just instant blood everywhere. Right. So yeah. like that feeling of when you just see the blood everywhere, like I remember I was just like, oh, okay. And I remember they're like, oh, did you break your nose? I'm like, no, like my nose is fine. It's just swole. like I could tell that I didn't break my nose. It's just swollen. But that initial shock of just seeing all the blood and being like, okay, what just happened? That moment is crazy. So I don't know. I'm just saying I felt really, really bad for her. Because that's just horrible, horrible luck. And what was your reaction when they showed her confessional with her face all swollen? I said immediately, like, holy shit. Because watching by myself on my couch, I'm like, oh, my God, she got wrecked. Like, I wish they had shown how far after. I wish they had put up a, a key or, like, I got to stop using TV terms. No, I wish they had put up, like, an uh, educational experience. Well, we call it a key or a font, but I wish they would have shown with the graphic how long after the injury was that confessional. Do you know what I mean? How many days yeah. later? Because, man, like when that popped up, that it's like you see it, you see all the blood, but then seeing all the bruises after, it's almost like it made it so much more real for us as a viewer. It'd be like, oh, no, like she really got like bleeped up. Yeah. I like that you said bleeped as if I haven't swore like five times already in this episode. You know, it was pretty, it was pretty funny because I was having that internal dialogue as I was speaking. <laughs> and I think maybe I didn't know what swear word I was about to actually use. So that's what kind of threw me off. Um, I did like, we got some like behind the scenes glimpses. So uh, Olivia's taken away in the ambulance and Horacio is like, that's fine. I'm going to, I'll finish it myself. <laughs> but, and the executive producer comes on screen and is like, no, like, no, you're not. Like, well, we get the TJ line, right? TJ yeah. gives them the, you live and die with your ride or die. But then the executive producer is consoling him. And then they show that they, they have a key, <laughs> a font, if you will. Where the where they show Olivia and Horacio in confessional, but says three months later, like they show that they had to to like sh like maintain the illusion that she was fine until the like reveal of how badly broken her nose was. They had to show that like they had to wait three months to do those confessionals because she was wrecked. Yeah, yeah. And as he's being consoled, as they're saying like, no, like you're done. Sorry, Horacio. Jordan and Anissa walk up. Yeah. And Jordan says to Anissa from afar, like, are you seeing what I'm seeing? Mm -hmm. 
He's by himself. He's yeah. by himself. There's awareness by Jordan. There's what great awareness. Great awareness. Um, who killed it for you this episode, Sheldon? You know what? I got to give it up to Olivia, man. I, I honestly feel bad for her. And I know that normally saying someone killed it is more of a you know, positive experience for someone who either won or did a really good job. But I just feel for her here. And I feel like maybe this is a, a season award because as rookies, they had a great rookie season. I think she was a really good addition to the cast. You know, a good personality, upbeat personality, friendly in the house and such. But I just really, really, really feel bad for her, man. And like that, that really sucks. Like really sucks. It really sucks. I feel super bad for her. Um, my MVP, I think it's obvious. It's got to be Martin Lawrence. You know, he's been bringing us laughs for decades you know, aging like fine wine. Not all comedy lasts, but Martin Lawrence does. Uh, no, seriously, I, this is the end of their their season of the show. Olivia and Horacio are absolutely the rookies of the year. Like, the, no doubt, right? And, like, I'm sorry that things broke down the, the, the way that they did. And, like, it was just bad luck. Like, there's no one to blame for her finger getting caught in a carabiner. There's, I mean, maybe you could argue that they wouldn't have had to shoot so many slingshots if it wasn't for Devin and Tori. Mm -hmm. But, like, that's really not, like, a direct – like, it's just bad luck. Yeah. Um, and I'm sorry that you got so grievously wounded. But, like, what a performance from start to finish by them this season. Just really, really showed us something. So I'm going to give it to both Olivia and Horacio. And also, you know, Horacio is not hard on the eyes. So, you know, everyone's a winner. Except Olivia and Horacio, who are going to finish fourth in the final. But aside from that, <laughs> everyone's a winner. Fair enough. Fair enough, my dude. Where can the good people find you on social media? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Shell Alexander, and on Instagram, at Sheldon Alexander and a huge shout to the people liking and subscribing to the pod, wherever you get your podcast, sending us some great comments. I just want to shout out uh, this one comment from Erica who says there are so many challenge podcasts out there and somehow all of the others have flown by the wayside in terms of podcasts that I listen to religiously. I'm with you guys each and every week. Wow, that's nice. I value y'all's opinion so much and your takes. Wow, Thank what you. a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that, Erica. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Seriously, though. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Hill. And until next week, which presumably will be the finale, this was You Killed It. You Killed It.